shoot, I need the script. I have everything but the intro. Again. Chris, jump in. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining. <laughs> the show where we recommend great manga. To great manga. I haven't read much manga before. Hosted uh, by Deb Aoki, uh, David Brothers, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along to our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. I am I David Brothers. You briefly <laughs> heard Christopher Butcher in there and the laughter of Chip and Deb. <laughs> We're off to a great start with Manga Explaining episode something. I always lose track. We record these so far in advance. This is Die Dark by Q Hayashida, published by Seven Seas. And I actually want to start this podcast with something different. I want to shout out the Seven Seas website for including all their localization staff like in plain text and easy to get to places. Oh, wow. Because it's so hard to get those credits sometimes because they're in the back of the book where the previews aren't. Yeah. That I actually, I got it out of my book and then went to their website to get the summary and was like, oh, this is so much easier. So shout out Seven Seas. Good job. Good uh, user experience. But Die Dark is a wildly creative new manga series from the creator of Doro Hidoro, in which necromancy, space action, and dark humor collide. It is the story of a guy named Zaha Sanko, who is 14 years old. He has a talking backpack skeleton friend named Avakian <laughs> that does various things. And essentially, this is a manga about hijinks in space. There's a plot, like the overall plot is that people want to consume Zanko's bones in order to have some kind of wish granted. It's vague on what the wish is. It's vague on who cursed him to this fate. And it's even vague on how he feels about it. You know, it doesn't mm. really seem to affect his life too much. It's be really annoying. <laughs> and which honestly, like these kind of comics really make me laugh where they're just kind of exploring a space and like giving things time to breathe and like warp and mutate under the artist's pen. Because Hayashida, I sold her to Chip by saying that she was manga Simon Bisley. But this book is actually a little more Kevin O'Neill in terms of design. Mm, All the tech is very organic and gross. There's a few really good butt jokes. There's a lot of blood, lots of skeletons. (laughs) Essentially, it's everything Q Hayashida does best. Doro Hedoro translated to Mud Sludge. And this kind of continues the trend of just filthy comic books. (laughs) And I wanted to bring it to the crew. I hadn't read it before this podcast before actually a couple of days ago. I love Doro Hedoro. It's 23 volumes complete. It's really funny. There's a Netflix CG anime that's actually good, which is rare for Whoa. CG animes in my experience. And this book, it's like, what's she going to do next? And the answer is basically the same thing in space. So I want to bring it to the crew and ask Deb first. Oh, no. What did you think don't. of? <laughs> <laughs> we will pivot to Chip. What did what? you think of Die Dark? Oh, please don't. Oh, Chris. man. <laughs> I've got some bad news, buddy. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've actually got... Boom! I believe this is called the Uno Reverse Card, David. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you picked this book without reading it, without having read it before. So I'm going to say... David, what did you think of Die Dark since you for, picked it? For I the listener, for the listener, for the listener, Chris actually just uploaded the Uno you know, reverse card. <laughs> you know, well played. I love this new era we're moving into. <laughs> so I loved it. Honestly, this is the exact. This is exactly what I needed on kind of a busy, stressful week because it's very. It's fluff in comics form. Like there's mm. nothing that really made me feel like, oh, this is going to be kind of too gross or too stressful. Mostly they get into hijinks and then they anti-climax their way out of it in favor of <laughs> jokes or something else. 
Like they meet someone named Death Shimada who is full of like spikes, like six eyes. They're consuming souls of all these like dead space children. You're like, oh, this is going to be like a, a big fight. Like it's going to be crazy. And mostly Shimada's like, I'm just going to be over here chilling and eating while you're fighting all these things. Good luck. <laughs> like, great job. <laughs> there are so many scenes like that that I was just tickled pink, let's say, by Die Dark Volume 1. And I would definitely go on to Volume 2. Mm. So, Chris, <laughs> I have a draw four card for you. <laughs> all right. But no, Christopher, what's your, what's your take? Part one, I did not realize this was a comedy until halfway through the book. I kept <laughs> waiting. I was like, why, why, why is Q Hayashida, who's she, by the way, goes by she, her. Yeah. Why is Q Hayashida constantly undercutting the drama that they're trying to build here? Like, I don't, like, it seems ill-placed, you know? Like, these jokes are like, you know, sort of letting the dramatic tension of the thing when you're trying to, I was like, oh no, it's a comedy. The, the dramatic tension is like the, like, the, the straight man, hard to scare quotes, in yeah. this situation, it's really just about these two ridiculous characters bouncing off of each other for a while and introducing more ridiculous characters bouncing off of each other. It's kind of like if I had started reading Ranma being really upset about the lack of respect given to martial arts training <laughs> about halfway through the book. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's not about that. So yeah, so the first half of the book was a little weird. And I was just like, I was like, what is going on here? They keep undercutting dramatic tension. Because I'd read the first, I don't know, two or three volumes of Dora Hedora, which had funny bits, right? Yeah. But was like a relatively serious sci-fi, like dark sci-fi thing with like jokes, as opposed mm -hmm. to this, which is pure jokes with like sci-fi trappings. So that was like the first thing that was like, you got to get your head right before you start reading this. Because if you go in expecting it to be like super serious with some weird stuff, it is not. I mean, yeah. And I and now rereading the first chapter, like there's a point where he puts on his like grim specter costume, leaps out into space directly into a black hole, going woo, like, <laughs> skulls behind him, and it's like, yeah, I, I should have got it. That's on me. That's all on me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I did not realize it was a comedy. I thought it was sci-fi with like comedic aspects. So it made the first half like weird. The in media res opening was kind of like i thought it was good but immediately cutting to a flashback again if i thought it was like a serious st or a story that was meant to be told in a serious way mm -hmm. cutting to the flashback i was like oh this is weird it, again undercuts the dramatic tension of him going directly into a black hole by like showing him as i guess when he was a little kid or something like that and then yeah. in the middle of that there's another flashback <laughs> it's like a flashback it's That's like so everything good. you could do wrong with a story is in this oh. first volume yeah. And then as soon as you, as soon as I, I mean, one, as soon as one gets on board with it, it's like, oh, shit, okay. Like, yeah, 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 okay. Okay. It's a comedy. <laughs> it's a comedy with like action adventure and some good fighting parts. So, so yeah, I was on board by the end of the book and I want to read the second one. I wasn't sure how I was feeling as I was reading it, though. So yeah. that's like, that's a big deal. And it does, and you know, in the book's defense, it does do a couple things like it has that super scary cover. And then immediately, one page later, it heard, you know, one flip of the page later, it has a color page of like what he looks like under his super scary outfit. And he's just like a gurning, like jerk face boy. And it's like, <laughs> right, a jerk right. face? He's just smiling. No, he's, he's a like, smiling kid. Jesus. He's like a dopey idiot. And it's great. Like, I'm not, okay, I'm not yeah. like yeah, ragging on this guy. This is like, this kid is like profoundly ignorant and naive, but in like a, 
you can't help but get on his side. He's so lovable and stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's great. And he doesn't take anything seriously, which is like, again, like was weird. And then is really good actually in the last half of the book. And then the stuff, as soon as it started to click into place, yeah, things like, you know, I don't want to spoil too much stuff, but like things like the friendship he makes outside of just him and Akadvan is yeah, really yeah. funny. The which way they call it as his only friend, which is yeah, his only friend is, yeah. is very funny. And then you realize the last thing I liked about it, and the thing that really was like, oh, they've introduced the super serious, like overly self righteous characters in the at the end of this first volume that are like the serious sci fi book that you think this is going to be mm-hmm. and you instantly hate them and you're like oh i, I, I get I, I super get it now it was great so yeah. weird reading experience <laughs> weird <laughs> weird reading experience but i want to read volume two for sure okay i kind of want to hear what deb has to say now you had a very ominous <laughs> hand over there <laughs> i had to read it twice <laughs> i'll put it that way the yeah. first time i read it i went like i don't i'm i'm happening here like mm-hmm. wait Dora had Dora in space and why and wait <laughs> who and wait this character and i wait what the bone and yet he's killing people and like it was just like all kinds of stuff like just flew at me and i was like i don't know what's going on i was getting kind of angry actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel that i feel that <laughs> yeah i love that <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what's going on and wait who's this character and why why is he doing this and and then there was like this part where it's like like i react to kyuhayashi in a way like i mean i always bring up her work because i think yeah you think girls draw a certain way here's kyuhayashida you yeah. think girls draw a certain type of story here's kyuhayashida by the way this badass character that you think is so cool guess what it takes off the mask and it's a badass woman who is built like yeah. a tank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of her trademarks. It's super good. Yeah. That was in Doro Hedoro. So it's like, it's Die Dark is interesting to read because if you've read Doro Hedoro, it's like, oh, it's a remix. The, mm. the strange, ugly dog, the, the kick-ass female character who you don't know is female. And then there's the, the baby face person with a weird with a skull mask and, <laughs> and then it's like this weird gritty like 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 this person just draws like with this hatch lines that just makes this greedy grimy feeling kind of like Enki Bilal mm. it's very distinct when it, and that's kind of interesting and unique because you know like a, there's a, I think there's a good deal of manga that is when you look at it, it's like ah oh, yeah that's some manga house style right that's the current mm. style of manga but you look at Q Hayashida's working on it. Yeah, that's a Q Hayashida book. <laughs> and that's not easy to pull up. But the thing that threw me off here was right, I think it was right about I have I have like my my little word document notes where I write down the page numbers and my reaction. Uh-huh. And it's like page 99. My reaction is all in caps. This was a shonen manga series. <laughs> Let's see here. Actually, that's 99. really surprising too. <laughs> oh man. Because it's like, oh, this is like a, a page from the monthly shonen magazine. It's like, wait, what? I assumed it was a seinen manga series, like, you know, for grown-ups. Yeah. The flashback where Shimada death, he says, hey, aren't you going to try to kill me? And uh, it goes, no, I don't have any wishes left to want. I have unspeakable power, innumerable oh, skills. Yeah. I'm charming good looks. Untold bliss of immortality, <laughs> as far as we know. 
an impeccable comic timing. Like, okay, that was what I said. That's what I liked. That's what I thought. I liked. So good. (laughs) And then, like, it was the second time around that I was like, like, I kind of came around to it. But the first time I was like, just angry at it. (laughs) Yeah. Because I read it late at night. I had my iPad and I kept falling on my face because I was tired. You know? Oh, yeah. It makes you cranky. I'm so excited to hear what emotion this forced Chip to feel. Just absolute delight. And like, <laughs> but the the funny thing is, like, I was probably as confused as Deb, but I loved it. I loved the confusion of it because, like, I'm also I'm not big on world building stuff. Mm. So when when like I couldn't I couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on in terms of like dark force stuff going over things and turning into an axe and yeah. what why bones are important like uh, uh, none of that stuck with me but it was so goddamn funny <laughs> like 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 chris like at first i'm just like wait what 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 is this because it just opens just like dark and blood and like but but unlike Chris, I'm super smart, and I figured it out much quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I, speak, I figured it out when they were <laughs> disrobing him, and he was like, "No, not my underwear." <laughs> like, all right, and even 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 the fact that they were like, "All right, he can keep his undies." As soon as they said undies, I'm just like, "Oh, okay, this is this kind of book." Yeah, like like the translation <laughs> is so good. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't compare because I don't read uh, Japanese, but like there were so many really great turns of phrase and jokes in here just based on the language. Yeah, it's just delightful. And it, it's such a it's I, I don't understand what this genre is, but I just I want to make it and yeah. read more <laughs> of it because it's, it's like space, but it's gross. Like everything's just gross and like drawn in a gross way. Like there's no nothing is smooth. Everything's everything looks like it's made out of either bones or meat. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> those are those are the two things that everything's made out of in this book. So it's like it's like fantasy, fantasy space horror, because yeah. like you know like still wearing like this like, weird dark alien robe, but like still cinched at your waist with like a rope. And like you're still wielding an axe in space, like it's just it doesn't make sense, and it's so funny, it's yeah. so funny, and 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 it's just a, such a delightful combination of characters, and and much like Deb, that page of uh, what what what's their name, Death, whatever, Death Shimada, Death Shimada, it's just so funny. Everything with that character is just so funny. It's perfect, and and yeah, I I I love the ending with like you know like Chris was saying like the guys that. You're just gonna hate. <laughs> <laughs> like it's uh it's it's all it's all amazing and it really, really clicked for me in the second story with the the weird bucket head oh, characters. The bucket kids. Oh, that's so <laughs> there was there were so many funny parts in that. Yeah, that was pure jokes. Yeah, yeah, like I can I can tell something's either really good or really bad by how many screenshots I take as I'm reading it. <laughs> and I I've I've taken so many screenshots of this yeah. and like I was, I'd be lying in bed. It's kind of an awkward thing for me to do. Cause I got like a bad shoulder and I'm lying on my side. I'm trying to like take the screenshot. I'm just like, ah, oh, this is worth it. This is worth the pain <laughs> of, of, of this motion. <laughs> it's one of the weirdest yeah. things I've ever read. And I, I'm in love with it. 
I'm really glad you called out the translation because that was first on my notes, actually, is like the localization is dope. And that's yep. thanks to Daniel Komen, who translated Blue Giant from last week. Oh, and really? Casey oh, really? Lucas, who has an adaptation credit. And huh. somewhere between the two is kind of where the, uh, the magic is happening. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's kind of like a punching up a script, so to speak. Yeah, yeah like page 134 says, whoa, this gravity is giving us the old suckaroo. I actually have that page open as well. That's, gonna, that's like my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Like there are so many lines like that where they're silly and cheesy, but like perfect. You know, yeah. they capture the voice, they capture a vibe. Yeah. The underpants thing was like that. The thing that I think convinced me early on, like I was kind of in the bag already. I was like, I'm going to see where this is going. But when there's the three page transformation sequence for him to pull his magic axe, <laughs> like a vacuum, like, extends his head and like shoots a bone out of his mouth is this whole thing definitely like superhero power-up moment and it's yeah. just a hatchet and that's yeah. it. he just like whacks people and then swings <laughs> them around <laughs> and it's an anti-climax but like a brutally funny one because you expect certain things and you kind of get it but it's the funny version yeah mm-hmm. oh man well like that yeah. page 159 right he puts a hatchet through the three-headed creature's forehead and then he uses it to pull the skull out of that person's head. <laughs> yeah. Which, this might be weird to say, but that is like a super Q Hayashida move. Like, <laughs> I mean, if bo- deboning chicken breast was that easy, my God. Right? <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> and then he goes and sells that guy's skeleton later, and the person is like, oh, cool, like a modified one. I can get a lot for this. And then page, page 60 is like, like a puss head thing, you know? Yeah. Like, you know puss oh. head, right? Like the guy who did all the art for Metallica? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and then he says, yeah, bones for me. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great bones, bones for me. I think it's oh. kind of the bones thing and then the flesh thing is like actually just kind of amazing. And this like it's the thing that probably should include me on first, but like bones for me is like hilarious as like a rallying cry like, haha, I've stolen all your bones, but they want to steal my bones. Like and the fact that uh, the, the the best part that I was like our our, our boy guy, what, what's his name actually? Sanko Meatball. Sanko. Oh, Sanko, right? Yeah, uh, I've been calling him Die in my head, but then I called him Spaghetti Meatball because that's yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he collects all the bones, but his best friend, his only friend in the universe, Shimada Death, collects all the meat uh, and eats all the meat. <laughs> <laughs> and so they've got this like partnership. Guy. It's very uh, weird. It's very weird. That's uh, like me and Melissa. Like Melissa hates crust. <laughs> <laughs> I give her the sugar of my bread and I eat her crust. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. <laughs> the pizza, it's true. Oh, man. So for the listeners, I had to get up and get a paper towel to wipe tears out of my eyes. That kind of a podcast. <laughs> Don't you just love it? Like there, there's that scene on sixty-four where like double page spread of bones and flesh, and then the next page after this, I found this weird bread thing, and I'm gonna pull yeah. it open. <laughs> And then, like, it's yummy, but it's going to hurt my friend's eyes. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like she's doing all the world building that Chip dislikes, but in weird places. Mm -hmm. This is where they introduce the photo leo wave. Wave? I can't say this word. Photo leo wave, which is just a microwave, but, like, goth and meaty. And there's, like, the same kind of, uh, there's, like, Kithon bullets and things like that. She's clearly thought it through, but it doesn't matter because the plot doesn't matter. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> really wild because it, I, 
I think I immediately went to like, okay, this is this this is this kind of story I've seen before, where it's like you've got this super serious universe, you know, but you've got this like one character who's mm-hmm. just like a you know kind of exists outside of it due to their like naivete or whatever, like a Peter Quill and Star Lord like having a dance off when he realizes he's going to lose, like that kind of idea. <laughs> And it's like, it's not. And it just keeps pulling the rug further and further away from you. Like, you're like every time you go to stand on it again, she's just like, well, actually, it's not this either. <laughs> it's like literally like the whole universe is like a total like joke, uh, except for this one group of like maybe space fascists. We kind of can't tell. Yeah. But everything else is just like, I'm going to get his bones and I'm going to wish to be the ruler of the universe. Like, I'll get his bones. And like, it's just it is it just keeps getting sillier too and it is doing world building like it's doing a lot of world building to the point where i was kind of like maybe chip's gonna bounce off of this when they're talking about like the dark nest like when they go through the black hole stuff yeah and like it was like that for like a little while actually and i was like oh there's not as many jokes for this (laughs) first eight like 12 pages of the third part of the book yeah but then you get there and it's shimada death and it's super funny yeah yeah (laughs) like yeah yeah it always comes back to the funny and it's still interesting and, and well drawn enough that I'm 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 still reading it, mm-hmm. taking it all in. It's funny, like you 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 <laughs> you drawing comparisons to Star Lord just makes me wonder what this would look like as a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Brie yeah, Larson, kind of Shamata Death. Oh, oh so just good. madness! Yeah, there's so. There, there's there's so much in here that I love. Like I'm just looking at my screen grabs and like the scene with the bucket head kids and they're just mm-hmm. standing there and yeah. Shimada Death is going, the one on the right is thirty-eight, the one on the <laughs> left is fifty-two. I've got an eye for ages. It's one of my talents. <laughs> <laughs> from this like from this hideous specter of death. I I just died laughing. Yeah. And the, they're shooting basically like Nerf balls at Sanko. <laughs> He's a kid, so you know, it knocks him down, but then he still has his axe. But 123, <laughs> the drawing of the axe hitting the kid in the chest, and the God, bucket yes. like flopping over to show his mouth, it's so good. Man. There's, there's a lot of really good illustrations in this, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the designs are, the designs are awesome. Like they're, they're so creepy and funny at the same time. Which mm-hmm. is such a hard thing to pull off, like especially him as a kid, like presents his like meatball spaghetti sandwich. Like he's just like he's hideous and adorable. Yeah, like yeah. him giving his name as Meatball Spaghetti. It's just like terrifying because it looks like he's wearing the skin of someone else as yeah, a yeah. mask. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my favorite things too is like one of the weird little bits in between chapters is a page called Design of. Zaha Sanko. And it's just like it's like an adorable picture of him and another slightly more adorable picture, and then just the hideous, hideous <laughs> skin mask on top. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, this cute guy. Oh, and that too. Like Yeah. That juxtaposition so is so good. And yeah. I think that like if this this could easily be very serious, like, oh, this is my dark quest to kill the guy who cursed my bones. <laughs> but it, the fact that she turns away from that so frequently and so like efficiently, yeah. Like when he's a kid, like all the teachers are also creepy monsters that he has to deal with, but they're not a danger to him at all. Like they're just yeah. like a weird annoyance as well. Which like the tone was, it felt all over the place at first, but then I realized this 
just a universe of idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like early Dragon Ball or something where it's just very pure. And it makes it feel like this is one of those books we talk about where it's like for the love of drawing. Mm-hmm. Like Hayashida loves drawing like this, like dropping in lots of like deep blacks and everything, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Love of drawing and love of jokes together. Yeah. Which is tough and especially tough in translation. Yeah. Well, Tsutomu Nihe does a lot of that organic sci fi stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Organic world of. But it's, this is such a different vibe than that. This is dirtier, I think. Yes. Yeah, like Nihei feels weathered, but this is like you pulled something out of the sewer and like put it on the kitchen table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cheerfully scummy. I was actually just about to say something about that too, because it's like there is like a kind of a. I'm looking at page 189 where you get to like the photosphere headquarters and it's like a kind of a big space. It's not maybe as thoroughly realized as like. Nihei might do in like a biomega or something like that, but you still mm-hmm. understand what the space is. And I was like, huh, I wonder if Chip likes this more or less than the Nihei because he kind of bounced off of a lot of Nihei's artwork. But I didn't want to be a shit disturber. But since Deb brought it up anyway, let's do it. <laughs> what do you think? I, I think there's some points where it's kind of like on par with that. So I was like, eh, I don't know about this drawing, but like for the most part, it's just so well realized. And you can clearly see the enjoyment going into the drawings. That, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it, it's all so organic, Literally and and, and the layouts are really good. And like, yeah. yeah, and the figure work is funny. Like, like a character moving in an awkward way here is funny, but in like Nihei, isn't? Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's supposed to be funny. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so you forgive a lot more with comedy, I think. Absolutely. Even just, if you look at page one, I just had it, 187. 186 and 187, the spread where they're all laughing at the dog, where the dog's like, I'm fixed <laughs> to the main system by this tube in my butt, and then they all share a laugh. <laughs> That's the kind of book this is. <laughs> yep. Because the dog is also a high-tech spaceship AI system, you know? Because we say so, it is. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, the fact that the dog is laughing too is so good. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, 184, right? Nice. We escaped the black hole. They just jump up like like, like Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. <laughs> like a freeze frame. There was one uh, thing that it didn't pull me out of the book, but I thought it was really cute, even though it was from our world. When Sanko is a kid, you see him transform into his costume at first. And he's wearing the alien t-shirt, like from the movie, the Xenomorph Aliens. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Because wow. on the back is a, um, it looks kind of like a, a baby Xenomorph, like the kind, the chest huggers. Okay. And I think the front is maybe the traveler or pilot, whatever that guy was called. Oh. It was like a nice little touch because it made me realize that the little, the monsters in the upper right hand corner of page 90 are either kaiju or from ultraman i'm like 90 percent sure <laughs> but like goofy drawings yeah. of those kinds of things the 89 90 oh yeah yeah, yeah. and even then <laughs> oh, it's yeah, just yeah. chest burster that was what chest burster that's it yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got to know the aliens but yeah oh i guess that yeah they could be like ultraman villains it's fun yeah i was surprised and pleased to see gender neutral pronouns in this speaking yeah. of 90 yeah, I was going to say. 
they say maybe a mix photoleum photoleum yeah. i've got it's got to be photoleum like petroleum <laughs> but it was very pleasant because there's like japanese isn't super gendered as a language in my experience mm. when it comes to like honorifics and how you refer to people so it makes sense that these weird space monsters like might be agender or exgender or something else because they're like they aren't humans you know well, Photoleum is also like a robot in this too, right? Or some sort of artificial life. So yeah, that's yeah. it. Artificial life is what I'm looking for. Yeah, what David is getting at, uh, like down to the down to the wire, is like it would have just been Photoleum San or Photoleum Sensei, maybe because they're a teacher. Yeah, yeah. In the original, so there'd be no way to know. And I think Jocelyn talked about this. Jocelyn Allen, who's a translator friend, talked about this. I don't know if it was on air or not, but they huh. they had to call. They basically had to like use one of their three lifelines on translating like you can't do this all the time and like yeah. contact a creator in japan and be like hey i'm translating this and you haven't revealed the gender of this character and there's a point where i have to use it what should i do yeah jocelyn will tell maybe maybe they'll pop into the comments or something like that and explain it but it was like one of those things where it's like sometimes you just can't and referring to them in a gender neutral way would have also been like not it would have created an additional meaning that wasn't in the original which is like the antithesis of translation right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think that is a really like excellent way of doing this like they're clear like you know max they're like clearly a teacher they clearly have to have like a an honorific of respect but it's not doesn't have to be gendered and yeah you're absolutely right yeah. it's really cool and it's nice that it feels standard not like oh this is like a thing we're doing it's just this is what it is this is what it should be yeah they didn't yeah. like bold it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that just goes back to the translation, like the localization being really quality. How did you feel about the backpack person, Avakian? <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, you need that character to have someone to play off of, right? Like, yeah, you need to have someone who's older and slightly wiser, like very intelligent, but only slightly wiser to like yeah. have that like Batman Alfred dynamic kind of a thing, <laughs> like that dry. I was, I was definitely reading him with like a like a dry response in that kind of like alfred from new and batman adventures the, the cartoon obviously the best version wow specific well you know i mean <laughs> the batman batman cartoon is the best batman i think we can all agree chip included right yet <laughs> yeah, <fair enough. laughs> i like it from june we'll find out <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I like the fact that avakian was obviously smart to keep Zaha alive, mm -hmm. but also yeah, I, I I was worried at the beginning that he was going to be like smart and constantly exasperated by the kid because mm -hmm. that that's like a trope that I'm just like ah, I don't know about that, but like he gets to show that he's goofy as well, yeah, throughout, and I like that. Like he, Chris is right; he's just slightly smarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the Kingdom of the Blind, the one-eyed man is king. Like yeah. it's like that, right? Like he's like, okay, I'm, I'm in control here, but he's not that bright. <laughs> the the whole chapter where he was trying to heat up his ramen and get back to his hotel room. Oh yeah, oh the bonus story. <laughs> that was good. I love that. Amazing. Two five. You gotta check in first, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> How many? And what will be? How many beds? Single, double, honeymoon suite. <laughs> All the while he's trying to like get back to his room before the noodles get soggy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This counts as a food manga now. Like it does. he's distracted <laughs> watching TV. There are all these little bits where you're like, you could have told one joke here, but instead it's like a flow of several jokes weaving in and out of each other. Yeah, 
Like even the hot water he finds, he's like, oh, this water looks hotter than boiling. And he's just running around with this boiling pot. <laughs> Speaking of like the boiling water, one of the early dumb visual gags is when Vakian sees that uh, Zaha's frozen. Mm-hmm. And so he like basically carts a bunch of bodies underneath him and then sets them on fire with his breath. <laughs> and also warms his hands. Like that's the part of like, oh, this is this is this is the comic for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like these bodies are just kiddling and he's just enjoying the warmth. <laughs> and the dark hide thing being basically just dirty venom is kind of good. Yeah, yeah. I I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that the the main story has very clean panel borders, while the bonus story is all over the place, like very scraggly and scratchy. Which I think makes it feel even less tense, you know, like yeah. less ruled, maybe. Mm. Yeah, maybe maybe the bonus story came first. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, what was one of the things that bounced off you early on before you got it that you came back to and maybe figured out? Uh, it would have been right at the beginning, I think, because that was when I was having the most uh, of a most deb reaction, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what is, who, who is this for? Clearly for Chip, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it was? It was. Okay. So on page 21, the backpack's asleep. Activan, or I can't pronounce his name, is in the captain's okay, cabin. Thank you. And then all of a sudden, like, springs to life and wakes up. And you get, I guess that's page 23, that full page illustration shot from like a worm's eye view of this like hulking grotesque robot skeleton situation and it's yeah. like such a powerful illustration really good like so tall like he he has to bend forward to be in the frame you know what i mean like it's yeah. a really yeah. good effective illustration and then the next panel is okie dokie and you're just like <laughs> that's the best, that's the best. <laughs> just like it's so discordant at the oh. beginning. it is that's... just it is deeply discordant and it's i get it now yeah but yeah. it and it works like it actually works but if you it sets you up to believe and and expect one thing and like i said just keeps pulling the rug out and again it's not like there's not nothing wrong with that but it is so far away even from what I was expecting, which was Dora Hidoro, that I was just like constantly felt like, yeah, she was setting stuff up. Like he goes in and like steals like that guy, the captain's hand while he's sleeping and it's super gross and good. And then he goes into the room and he sets a bunch of corpses on fire and you're just like, what is going Like what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Warming his hands by the fire. Uh, and then, yeah, there's, that was the thing that was like, just how discordant the first part is before the flashback sequence where you would get like one kind of thing and another kind of thing. And it's just, you know, we've had this before and especially with me, like I'll, I'll own that. If I'm expecting one thing from a book and I do not get that thing and I get something else, it's hard to readjust. And so I think it's because I I haven't, this is maybe the, this is the spot where I read stuff that I'm not reading for because I want to and because it's for fun. Yeah. I'm reading it because someone else is picking it. And so I go into it uh, with almost no knowledge. You know, I know, I know Q Hashida's previous work. I have some, I think I've even got some Doro Hidoro merch around here somewhere. Like that kind Send of thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it's discordant for sure. 
And I think I was thinking that way, especially because we just read, or we, I just did the show notes for uh, Kakigurui, and that had a real discordant thing going on, but it was specifically with the art, where mm-hmm. like the figures and the backgrounds were so discordant, and it just didn't match. And I kind of went into it maybe with that mindset. And that was, you know, that was on me. That was a problem. And I think that that's something that like, man, uh, don't review things after you've only read them one time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, actually, if you're gonna you're gonna put an opinion into the world, like you can, like, first opinions are valid. But yeah, if you're if you're especially if you really are just like I don't get this or I don't like it or there's something wrong with it, like try and dig in, try and figure out what you don't like. Yeah. And I think that 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 second read through, well, half second half read through was like, okay, like I, this is a comedy from the get go. This is on you as a reader, and it's man, it's important to own that sometimes. Like maybe you're just not right for the book it's not that the book isn't right for you like maybe the book is good and you're just not where you need to be to enjoy it and that is not a popular or common opinion <laughs> these days <but. laughs> the i think knowing dora hidoro kind of opened the door for me a little bit i just had to figure out where she was going to land on the dora hidoro spectrum <laughs> yeah. okay i gotta confess i didn't understand dora hidoro until i watched the anime oh mm. the like, whole quest also, Chip, I guess for context, Dora Hedoro yeah. is a series where a guy has a alligator head. His name is Kaiman. And what he does is he finds wizards in what they call the hole, which are like another dirty setting like this. Mm-hmm. And he puts their head in his mouth so that the face in the back of his throat can check if it's the guy who turned him into a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's amazing. There's a giant cockroach that wears Converse that says shocking. It, like fights people. It's a very strange series. Uh that's amazing. But I think the Netflix anime, it didn't tone it down. It focused it a little bit. Yeah. Because there's a lot in that series. There's an amazing baseball game. There's a long stretch where people are just turning into mushrooms back and forth. <laughs> 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 like it kind of turns into this for maybe a volume or two, but not all the way. Yeah. And I think maybe she got like the taste of doing pure comedy and busted it out here because some of these jokes are really great like the timing the drawing the way it matches the art like getting facial expressions out of a skeleton like the <laughs> okie dokie expression is an okie dokie face yeah yeah like like who does that <laughs> yeah <laughs> never met anyone who enjoys drawing skulls right and she's so good at it and the first chapter actually ends on like i don't know a terrible cliffhanger technically because it's them warming their hands by the fire and it just says like crackle crackle and they're like whoa the fire's too big and then it cuts to chapter two (laughs) page 34 (laughs) (laughs) oh it's not a big deal in a graphic novel but i wonder how that landed in the serialization yeah but chris what are you gonna say no and because that's like an expert piece of comic timing that i did not get the first time because it does end on that and then the next chapter begins with them going back to the like the captain's quarters hearing the fire alarm seeing that something's going wrong it's all serious like space pirates you know kind of stuff whatever and they get there and all and then they like all right crack the door he's got to be in there and then they both run out on fire screaming like he runs out on fire ah i'm on fire like <laughs> and then set all of the bad guys on fire by accident and it's just like a, like such a grand rug pull yeah it was yeah. ridiculous it's really good. I think slapstick horror might be the best genre for this. Ruler of the universe. Every time I see that, I think of Queen. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, oh, hot, 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 hot. So hot. And he's, and he's, and he's setting everyone else on fire. And then and the 
last panel on page 45 goes, and he put it out, and then everyone else is in flames. Dev, what was one of the bits that you bounced off of and then kind of came back around to? Yes, you know, the part where there's, I mean, I, I had to embrace the ridiculousness of it, where they explain things like, this is, this is the photochon container that are essential to life in space and blah, 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 blah. And, and it, this is the MX photonium and the Trigon system can't detect. It's like, what? I don't, you know, like, yeah. what, where's this? Mm. I don't get this. Like, it's just thrown yeah. in for the fuck of it. And then there's mm-hmm. like, like, oh, it is just thrown in for the fuck of it. <laughs> it's sort of like when you make a sci-fi story and it's just like, here's my cosmic car, my cosmic dog and my space, you know, breakfast or something <laughs> like oh okay i got too used to like american comics where they they try to make science make sense it has to have mm-hmm. physics and science and it has some kind of logic and now it's like like kind of like one, one piece where it says you know what it's comics i don't care yeah. we're gonna yeah. just draw whatever we want yeah yeah give me your bones all you, your bones. Majors, all you like biology majors fuck you yeah come at me <laughs> <laughs> there was a uh, point Christopher mentioning that it was published in Shonen Sunday actually made no, something Deb, click Deb. in my head. Oh, it's Deb in Shonen yeah. Sunday. I'm sorry. It's I always get the two smart people mixed up on this oh, podcast. Please. Wait a second. Uh, Wait a second. We're the beautiful ones. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll I'll buy that. They're they're the Avakians and yes. <laughs> But he's so he's such a shonen hero in execution. Mm. Like he's he fourteen, is. which doesn't super matter, but like it's a thing. The meatball spaghetti thing is basically a one piece joke. Yeah. <laughs> like I could totally see that being Luffy, like washing up on an island somewhere and he's like, Oh, I need meat. And then he eats meat and he's totally fine again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so violent and gross that it feels like more it feels more like Sanin than Shonen for sure. But just page 95 where he's putting on his, you know, his dark flesh and he, he pulls it on and it says floop, like a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> like shout out to Phil Christie for lettering this because these are some great sound effects too. Uh, like very fitting. Yeah. Man. Chip, what was your, what was the funniest joke in this to you? Like what got you the most? Oh my God. Now I got to go through all my screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's so much like I I, I think a Deb pointed out it maybe isn't the strongest joke but it really summed up the whole series which is the full page of him floating through space yelling woo with the trail of skulls <laughs> and bones like it's so joyful yeah. and dark and funny and it's a great drawing yeah I think that's that's probably number one. Okay, but there's there, there, so much. Like I said, like those the buckethead guys. It, that whole scene was so funny. So I think funny. What's killing me right now is page ninety-eight when he does his big transformation and they get rid of the surveillance device that was inside of him. He says, "What do I do with this?" And Avakian says, "Just put it down softly on your pillow." And he puts yeah. it down with two hands and says <laughs> yeah. goodnight to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so He's cute. such a sweet kid. <laughs> kid thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man there's a lot there's a lot here yeah. to love so it sounds like we all really enjoyed this one 
Uh, yeah, I think Deb's seventy percent, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Deb was like a literally, literally angry at it. So. <laughs> I, I I can't say that I'm gonna go run out and get volume two. I'm gonna count yeah. on you guys telling me you have to read volume two. It gets so much better. But right, oh, right, yeah, right now, that's sold. <laughs> All right, more volume twos for us then. Yeah, there's a manga shortage anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. One volume two for us. Well, I'm buying digital. I actually think explosive death where Shimada death explodes the bucket head kid is so ridiculous because you don't see it coming, by the way. Yeah. That was my favorite funny part where it was just like explosive death for you. And they just explode from the inside. And you're like, what superpower even is that? Like I can just explode people. (laughs) And then the next panel is bloosh as he gets covered in all the guts from the guy who exploded. Oh, there's, by the way, all guts, almost no blood. Like, it's all, like, Uh, viscera and bits and things like that. It really is, like, how do we make this, how do we make Dorohodoro a shonen manga instead of a, like, and and I'm going to say seinen, but it was in Iki. Like, it was a weird-ass, artsy, like, like weird seinen manga for, like, people that wanted to make unconventional seinen stories. So, like, Dorohodoro was, like, not even seinen. Like, I think it was, it was something else. And then you get to, like, this, and it's, like, how do we turn that into a, it's a shonen sunday of all things too like one of no offense to the shonen sunday shogakukan fanboys out there but it's a very conservative magazine it's like we have our classics we have our people we like that's great totally on board you know shonen sunday but uh then this like i can't i can't even imagine what the, i can't even imagine what this is sandwiched in between <laughs> like, oh, i've got to find out some like <laughs> yeah. super clean looking like four panel gag strip that's been running since like 1958 and then like you know someone who's like studied at the altar of like rumoko takahashi and then this in between those two things like it's it's kind of amazing yeah, yeah. i do see like takahashi humor storytelling in this though oh yeah. for sure the for action sure. is comedy and the comedy is action Sorry, you don't see. Oh, here's a question, David yeah. Deb. How much Otomo have you read behind, besides Domu and Akira? Legend of Mother Sarah and something else that I've got. I've read Sayonara Japan, the one about the, the failed rock musician. Oh, okay. Oh, I yeah, don't yeah. Have that one. And then the and then memories there. I have the the two one shots that. Oh yeah, I have as memories. Well. I have the Australian printing of memories. So I'm shocked they still have not mentioned. They still haven't mentioned English release for the. The Otomo complete collection that's coming out in Japan right now. But mm-hmm. this is like, hmm, this is a good example of what happens when you only get selected works translated into English. So we all kind of think that Otomo is one thing. We think that he's like Akira and maybe a little bit Domu, like weird sci fi stuff. But he's got tons of like screwball comedy short <laughs> stories and things like True. that that he's done that this really reminds me of in a lot of ways like like her art honestly reminds me of otomo anyway it's like scratchy and drawn without a ruler as opposed to otomo's which is like (laughs) carved out of like carved out of a solid block of ink or something like that like it's hard (laughs) to explain but like like obviously huge otomo vibes but like this kind of screwball comedy is so otomo short story to me if you read like the books that like memories comes out of or like the action highway one or whatever. Like we're going to, we're going to get them eventually and yeah. hopefully, but you know what? Think back to the last time we read, which was Akira volume three, right? The whole sequence where they're in the tank and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they're just like mowing through backyards yeah. and like, gig, like goofy and like a Pure kid pops slapstick. up and he's like, wow, that was so cool. Like that kind of <laughs> yeah. like slapstick over the top, whatever. That's what this is. Like, that's like yeah. the, the exact moment 
that that's great. Hugh Hayashida was like, "Oh, that's that's what comics is. Like this this right here is what comics really is now." And there's a lot of there's a lot of people like that I, that I think have pulled different things from Otomo's work and kind of made it their own thing and gone in their own direction. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, but we only have this one idea of what Otomo is and what an Otomo story is. And the more that we get, the more we start to like piece together, like, oh, manga isn't just these like pillars of classics that exist like thousands of miles apart in like a desert somewhere. It's a city. It's all connected. And as soon as you can <laughs> yeah. read all the bits and you can see all the connections, it kind of springs to life. So yeah, that was the, that was like, I think that there's some screwball comedy. There's definitely some some Takahashi here. Like it's hard not to. I mean, she was so omnipresent for like 20 years in the industry and is still making work yeah. today. But but yeah, the, like I get such a specific kind of Otomo vibe off of her stuff, and it's kind of great. Like I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I've I guess this will be my final thought, kind of wrapping up and heading over to you guys. There's the final chapter is called the Hateful Four beginning on page, I don't know, 160, 170 something. And they never actually say who the hateful four are. That's where the kind of plot goes. They introduce a guy named Hajime Damimaru, Mm. which translates to first failure son, which is already great. Yeah, he's part of the hateful four and he's not in this book at all. So the next volume kind of slides into his story and kicks off the ongoing plot. But it still remains like really funny. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes from there. But they're all drawn on this page like they're actually villains. Like they're from the serious version of this comic. Yeah. <laughs> like if you yeah. look at a with the smile and the flames behind him, we yeah. saw that happen. Like we know what that looks like and it's not this. <laughs> 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 but let's do Chip first. What's your final thought for this one? I, I love it. I think every comic should be this comic. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one... There's one there's, Tiny thing I wanted to point out as well, yeah. which I loved. I didn't understand it, but I also loved it, which is Shimada death when she's taking out all those guys. And every time she takes out one of those guys, it's like, it's like their soul. Yeah. It's just a <laughs> skull that moves into a bone with a halo over the skull. Yeah. Ah! So funny. And then she eats them. And they look like, like yeah, that's her. Like... She gnaws on them later on. I'm just like, oh, what a fun idea! That's that's their essence right there. Just as hideous as everything else. <laughs> the thing is supposed to be the most beautiful part of you is just a skull merged into a bone with a halo over it. <laughs> that's all we are. And in the last chapter, she's eating one like it's a drumstick. Like a drumstick. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 preposterous. It's so funny. Yeah. So yeah. So I. I mean. I. I love this. It's so weird. And yeah. I think. I think anyone who likes dark, weird, discordant humor will enjoy it. Cool. And Deb, how about you? <laughs> this is one weird read. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's. I think. I think. I don't think I would enjoy it half as much if I didn't have you three telling me how much you liked it. <laughs> really, and, and, and telling me what you saw in it and what you liked about it because yeah. I was like sometimes I don't know maybe sometimes I've got that I think like Deborah does everything have to make sense does it <laughs> can you just enjoy something that doesn't make sense why don't you try doing that sometime <laughs> I love that you use your full name for that <laughs> Deborah, Deborah listen to me Deborah <laughs> my inner voice is terrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> man uh, Christopher, how about you? 
Well, I only call myself Christopher when I'm scolding myself. So it's fun to be on the podcast where David <laughs> is correcting himself, calling me Chris, it's which is so like hard, and then goes into Christopher. And I'm like, all right, you're on a, you're doing, this is work. You get, you get, you get this, you get your shit together, Christopher. It's I'm your glad, fault for being my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you do that. Too, though, That's good. Okay. So my big takeaway is Q Hayashida knows what she's doing. And mm. that is like all the rug pulls were super deliberate. And I, I think the thing that sums it up is, yeah, you get the, um, the page, that, the, the double page spread you just referenced, 190, 191, where it's like, yeah. all right, here are the four like you know evil dudes all at the bottom in the serious version of this comic. And she crops Avakian just low enough so that it looks like it's a skull face thing with like horns instead of it being <laughs> literally a skull with a handle on its head to be carted around. <laughs> it's like, version of this book. Yeah, he's got horns because he's like the badass. In, this, in the real version of it, he's got a handle so he can be lifted up by his head. <laughs> but knowing where to crop it for the one panel for the best effect, like chef's kiss, she knows exactly what she's doing. You got to trust her, and you just you just got to get on board or don't. But like, yeah, I I'm I'm glad I I'm glad I came around. It's a lot yeah. more fun. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. So we're gonna take a break for some advertisements. If it's like the Dick Fight Island episode, I apologize in advance for all the blood you're about to experience. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. And we're back is my best Christopher impersonation. <laughs> I can't do it. Like, I need you to do the hello with the top of the episode when I host, and I need you to do the and we're back when we come back in. But I had something came to mind in our Die Dark conversation just now that I didn't mention. I wanted us to stay on target because this is just a slight digression, which is gender and manga and translation localization. So I work in my day job at Viz Media as an editor. Don't super talk about it on the podcast, except when there's a conflict of interest, it makes it get weird. But I worked on a series called Hell's Paradise, Jigoku Raku by Yuji Kaku, which is a really fun samurai series, kind of a invincible ninja versus a bunch of invincible monsters mm. but there's a character who's introduced and the translator on the series caleb cook noticed that the way the author was referring to the character was very particular very specific and he was like oh i'm going to avoid gendering this character at all until we can find out for sure 
And like Christopher was saying, how Jocelyn had like the call, like call a friend to yeah. find out the yeah. thing. We actually got in contact with the editor in Japan. We're like, hey, we've noticed this. Is it going this way or this way? And the editor said, please don't gender the character. Like the author would like for this person to be X gender, I believe, or something in that realm. Oh. And it was really cool to be able to have that contact and then also get it right in the book. Yeah. Because if you commit and then you get it wrong, you know, that's terrible. But also you're not like this is going to sound a little highfalutin, but I feel like as an editor my and as a localization editor, my job is to like respect the original work to the point where our version like pays homage to it. Like you read it and you're like, oh, this is good. Yeah. And I think missing something like that, like makes it much less good because it's such a core part of the work, something that yeah. someone put a lot of thought into. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Could I could I push back a little? Yeah. Uh, and I, and I want to I get your honest opinion. Yeah. I think in editorial and in translation and especially in localization, sometimes the best way to homage a work is to do a, like a harder localization. Yes. We were talking about this in the Kakaguri episode where it's like she shouts out, let's go gambling mad instead of just shouting Kakaguri, you know, like she yeah. would in the anime or whatever. And for that, like, I know it gets a bad rap, but I, I, I just wrote in the show notes, like, I kind of wish they had gone full Saban on it, like Power Rangers, and just been like, we're going to invent a whole new word or something that she's going to say that, like, means the same thing. But Let's Go Gambling Mad is, like, a pretty awkward thing to say, to, to like, to, like, infuse, like, effusively say, or leave it untranslated. Leave it, like, kakagurui, yeah. and then just gloss it and be that, make that be the thing that the character says and that's like her catchphrase is kakegurui. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like the best way to homage like that work would have been to, like in my personal opinion, just, just go nuts and like erase it and create something that wasn't a direct translation, but that made sense for someone to shout. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do, you, do you think that that's like, when you think about homaging a work as an editor, do you mm-hmm. want it to be the closest translation of the Japanese work, or do you want I it to be the to closest feel like, like the original feeling, not be literal? Yeah. So for so you, it's Jojo's feeling. is a good part is a good example of that. Because I'm also the editor for Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, part four, part five, and part of part three. Yeah. And that's a series where we don't do any retouch because we want to keep Araki's art like crystal clear. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like very minimal retouch, if anything, like that. And it's a series where we don't translate certain sound effects because JoJo fans expect like do 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 instead of like doom or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the series yeah. has had a few different you know evolutions on that front. Every part, I try to like look at what we've been doing and see what's working and what's not, and adjust as we go. Mm. But there are some things that are just better in Japanese, like Dio, the villain of JoJo, yells "useless" in translation. You know, when mm. he's fighting someone, but there's a scene where he's yelling it like. I don't know, 26 times on the page. Yeah. And in Japanese, that's like, you know, one little character. In English, it's a much longer character and it doesn't sound as good because mm. no one yells useless when they're punching you in the face a hundred times. <laughs> so for <laughs> things like <laughs> that, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right? I actually read an article about that. I maybe should publish on Mendico's Explaining the X. Yeah, please do. Because <laughs> it's fascinating because it, it ends up being a trademark of the series. So even though it's untranslated, the meaning is there. Like mm-hmm. you don't know that he's saying useless, but you can tell like this is his war cry. Or, you know, Jotaro yelling, like, aura, aura. is just like, hey, 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 hey. Like, that's goofy. You know? <laughs> but because there's a language barrier, like a thing in translation, it makes it seem a little more fancy when you don't quite understand what it means. Yeah. But I think I would, 
I love translations like Die Dark that are smooth like that. And Blue Giant didn't quite work for me, but it was going in the right direction, I think. Like it had like mm-hmm. one or two little speed bumps for me, but it was it felt good. Because even though it's in translation, it shouldn't feel like it. Yeah. It should feel like writing. Like when Chip earlier said he liked the translation of the book and then corrected himself and said, Oh, but I can't I don't speak Japanese. But you do know good writing. Like you know flow and you know word choice and that kind of thing. And that's what we judge the most often, I think, as like manga yeah. readers. Mm. There's been books I've picked up where I'm like, oh, man, was this machine translated? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and maybe it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a great answer, David. This has been yeah. Mox Playing Listen to Me. We've been here talking to editor David <laughs> Brothers. Thank you so much for joining us today, David. We'll be right back after this next break. Well, you didn't nice. even ask me my opinion on this? <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. No, no. Sorry. Good chip. Go for it. I'm actually curious. As, as a writer, you honestly, I feel like you come at these books pretty, I feel like you're really like a little bit on your tippy toes sometimes, like a little bit kid gloves where you don't, you're like, I don't know what it was in Japanese, so I don't want to criticize what it is in English too much. But if something is really wrong, you'll call it out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, uh, like, like everything in my life, it all comes back to Garfield. <laughs> and oh. <laughs> when I interviewed Jim Davis about Garfield and... And and about translations into other languages. Oh yeah, and and he was like Garfield plays well in some countries and doesn't in others because like the translations either they work or they don't. And he recognized at some point that you have to kind of let them do their job, and and if they have to change it, they'll change it. He's in Japan was actually like a key point for him because he was in a war with Charles Schultz. <laughs> who was doing quite well in Japan and Garfield was not doing well in Japan. And I think that, that really upset Jim Davis, mm. but it didn't translate there the way it did everywhere else because Garfield was lazy and disrespected his master. Mm. And that was, that was a problem. <laughs> and, and a lot of the references of him doing, I remember him saying him doing stand up because Garfield would do stand up on like on the picket fence at night and then yeah. the other cats would throw like shoes at him and he was like at that at the time like there was no stand-up there so like like garfield's doing riffs off of like north american stand-up about like my wife's so ugly blah 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 like you know. <laughs> but it would translate into unfortunately my wife is unattractive and therefore like it just didn't <laughs> it didn't didn't have the same cadence so i, I think yeah. at some point jim davis was like so I just had to, I had to trust them to replace these things and to like find out what worked there. Yeah. But that that's coming at it from more of a capitalistic point of view than maybe an artistic one of wanting your thing to survive. I think it, yeah. it always it always should come down to what you think or what you know that the original creator wants from you mm. as a translator. I, I think that's kind of like of utmost importance. Yeah. So, so if you think they're going to be really strict about a thing and they really want it to be like, no, I, I need it to be translated in such a way where the original reference is there. Not, you're not substituting the, the pop star in America for the pop star from Japan here. Then, then you just have to respect that. They used to do that in manga here, I feel. Like they would mention Japanese pop stars. They'd like stencil in like Cindy Crawford or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a time. That was when I think localization was a little more heavy handed. Yeah. And I think I think people have a little bit more, I don't know, a more nuanced take on localization. Like it will vary depending on the book. 
mm-hmm. it'll depend on the on the audience. I think just going through the series that we've read, like there's such a diverse, so many diverse styles of localization. Yeah, for sure. That work, you know, that are effective or efficient or however you want to phrase that. But yeah, cool. Shout outs. (laughs) Oh yeah, right. (laughs) Shout out. I'll go first. Give everyone else another five seconds to like quickly scroll through the internet to see what they're sharing. <laughs> yeah, I actually just went to the Seven Seas website because you were like, "Oh, and the Die Dark page was so good." And I opened it up and I immediately got distracted because Seven Seas just announced that they licensed Polar Bear Cafe, which Yay! is one of my favorite gentle manga. And then I got oh. to meet the creator in Japan, and it's basically there was an anime uh, called Polar yeah, Bear Cafe. Yeah, I've seen the anime, and it's about a polar bear who runs like a sort of beautiful little wood grain everything cafe in japan if you've ever been to japan you've been to a cafe like it i've been to the real one by the way (laughs) and there's like a penguin who's sort of a salary man and a young layabout panda who comes and hangs out and then a cute girl who works there and it's just like they have like the gentlest adventures and it's just oh it's like a book that you read and your whole body just unclenches it's like (laughs) so good it is and like it's about nothing. Like it is the gentlest humor. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's the opposite of mean Garfield doing mean stuff. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. I'm so happy. They said that there's going to be a four volume edition of the complete manga series in English, which I have no idea. There's two different series, and one of them I think is still ongoing, and it switched publishers and stuff. So I have no idea what they're actually publishing. But I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled they're doing it. It's like the gentlest, nicest manga that i tried to get published but uh, and the mangaka aloha higa <laughs> is really nice as well she's like such a cool lady who is just like super talented so yeah man couldn't have happened to a, a better book couldn't have happened to a nicer person i'm so happy it's coming in english it looks like the first volumes due in january 2023 my god that is so far, far away. away oh my goodness but yeah super excited about that please go buy polar bear cafe it's it's lovely and i don't know if it is good or bad for fans of die dark i literally can't tell but <laughs> It's got on its own merits in a very different way. <laughs> Definitely picking it, actually, for manga spoiler. It'll be a nice change of pace for fans of Die Dark. Let's oh, there you out. go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there you go. Deb, how about you? I'll follow my train, which is like the, the last thing I read, which is always the, my favorite thing I just read. <laughs> <laughs> I read a book called Changes of Heart by Kujira. It's from Kodansha. It's it's kind of an interesting little romantic comedy because it takes the, the premise of a childhood friends who uh, a boy and a girl who mm-hmm. get drunk one night and have sex and then their relationship changes. But the way that this author approaches it is so fresh and different because it starts out with they have, they're having sex <laughs> like the first two pages. They are having <laughs> sex. All right. And then the next page is like the girl wakes up and goes, Oh shit. And like, and then she's like trying to deal with her feelings with that. Especially since the guy, her friend, works in the same building as her because they both work in game development companies. So she's trying to deal with, like, trying to avoid him, to date him. He likes her. And I mean, like, this is, I guess what I found really fun about this is that these are all very familiar romance comics beats. But for some reason, the way that this manga covers it or deals with it felt really fresh and different. Refreshing. Cool. So check it out. Awesome. Cool. Chip, how about you? I forget if I did a shout out for this already because time means nothing, but I finally got to see everything everywhere all at once. Oh, oh. I see that. 
It's so good. It's, it was our, myself and my wife, it was our first movie back in theaters. Yeah. We drove like an hour north to like the small town theater for a Sunday matinee. And there was only one other couple in the theater. <laughs> and they had their mask on. We had our mask on. And then they turned to us and she said, um, um, just so you know, I've had four shots and my husband's had two and a half shots. <laughs> I don't know what the half shot is. Yeah. And they're like, Johnson so, and um, Johnson. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, um, uh, if if you don't mind, uh, would it would it be okay with you if we took our masks off when the while the movie was playing? And we're just like, yeah, it's not mandatory anymore. Like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, go ahead. And we all kept our masks on for the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very polite Canadian movie going experience where we, even with permission, we didn't bother. But it was it was so good and it's so funny and uh, the action's amazing. The cinematography is awesome. Everyone in it's great, and it makes me <laughs> shouldn't say this as a Marvel uh, freelancer. It makes me not want to watch the new Doctor Strange multiverse movie. Ooh, <laughs> you'll never guess fire. what I watched with my little brother and sister this weekend. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I figure. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's just not going to look anywhere near as good compared to this multiverse movie. Mm. Yeah. It's so funny that two of those came out in such short succession. Yeah, it's in the air. Yeah. Uh, my shout out is, <laughs> and I apologize for the pronunciation of everything I'm about to say. All right. Ursula K. Le Guin's translation or adaptation of the Tao Te Ching. A couple of friends of mine, Dan and oh. Amber, got me a, you know, a physical book on paper of her Ooh. adaptation of the Tao. Wow. And I'd never read it before. I'd heard a lot about it. It's come up in, you know, tons of other things I've read. So I finally started reading it. And it took like, I don't know, three pages before I saw myself and got upset. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> like it's one of those where like you will definitely get something out of it. Yeah. And wow. her version isn't the same as some of the olders. It's like born from her study and a lifetime studying the book. So it's much more or she applies a certain level of poetry and meaning to it without drifting too far from the original. Yeah. And it's just like a beautiful piece of writing. I'm not very much a poetry guy, but I was like, this is exquisite. Like everybody needs to read this. Oh, okay. And I'm also going to read it over time, not just sit down and like bomb through it. Just like a couple pages every couple of days, you know, a page on a weekend or something like that and just let it percolate. Amazing. Yeah. There's a, I've got a, a shout out to a previous shout out. Mm-hmm. Just because I noticed before we came on to the podcast that David had just finished watching the Brady Bunch sequel movie, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which I love that he just kept going with it. <laughs> yeah. So after was it last week when you mentioned the Brady Bunch? No, it was a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, yeah. 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 That night I watched the Brady Bunch, a very yeah. Brady movie or whatever, on yeah. HBO, and it was like, holy crap, this is really funny. Yeah. I'm sure I saw it as a kid, but you know, I grew up on TV Land, I Dream of Jeannie, and Brady Bunch, yeah. and all that stuff. So for the second one to end with an I Dream of Genie joke almost made me die. <laughs> and of course, my I watched it with my younger brother and sister. They're 11 and 13, so they don't know what the Brady Bunch is. They have, yeah. It's all new to them. Yeah. But they still thought it was really funny. And That's good. I know, it just worked. So thank you again, Chip. We're really the same person. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, glad you liked it. <laughs> I forgot my middle niece's name. 
when I was writing postcards from Las Vegas this week. And I was like, oh, no. oh my God, that's such a Jan moment. And I was like, you can't compare real life to the Brady Fund. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Sophie, if you ever yeah. listen to this podcast, I'm so sorry. I remembered, though. I, I caught it before I sent the postcard. Uh, <laughs> anyway. But I made a joke on Twitter that the Moesha, Moesha, Moesha joke was an all-timer. Yeah. It's so good. It's so dumb, but it just works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Speaking of so dumb, but it works, that has been an entire episode of Manga Swing. Thank you for listening. This has been Q Hayashida's Die Dark. On behalf of Deb, Chip, and Christopher, I am David, and we will catch you next week. This has been Manga Splaining, episode 65. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Cross Game by Mitsuru Adachi. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for the musical accompaniment this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.